Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. Before we get started on sport, we have to correct a very, very bad error that just happened at the end of Katie Jane's show. Now, regular listeners to the bench on a Sunday will know that Katie Jane finishes at about 5 to 6 and always ends her show with a slan August Bannocks. However, that did not happen this evening. Katie Jane has remained on to discuss the uh, the error, the issue, the massive faux pas that happened. Katie Jane, can you explain yourself, please? I can't. I actually can't. Now, what I was saying to you is it's I'm turning a year older during the week and I think that might have... Happy birthday. Yeah, thank you very much. But we won't I, ask you your age because that's impolite. I would, no, I'm a lady. I would just like to say, though, can I, will I say it? Do. From myself, Katie Jane, Slonagas Bannocks. Yes. Now we can start the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much for joining us this Sunday evening. Rory here with you until 7 o'clock and what an hour of sport we have coming your way on the Big Red Bench. Delighted you could join us for the show. So coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk to Kieran McCarthy, the Southern Star Sports Editor, about a fantastic day in the water for the Irish Roars and gold medal for the Cork pair, Finton and Paul. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Former Ireland international Fiona Hayes will be on to talk about Ireland's fantastic win over Wales yesterday and how it sets them up going into the match against France at the weekend. We're also going to hear from the Ireland captain, Kira Griffin. We're going to talk to Mark McNulty, the Cork City goalkeeper about the Focus Ireland Sleepout which is happening uh, later on in the month and we're going to talk to Cork City's start to the season as well and we're going to talk to the Farris brothers mostly known for their MMA exploits with SBG Cork City however the younger of the brothers, Flubatar Farras, is going to run from Cork to Galway in aid of the Irish Cancer Society at the end of the month. We'll talk to him about that 200km trek and we'll talk to his brother Abinub as well about helping his brother prepare for that gruelling 200km run which he's aiming to do in under 40 hours. Absolutely incredible stuff. So all that's come on the Big Red Bench tonight from 6pm. Just before we get cracking, going to get you up to date on what's been happening today. Tottenham and Manchester United are level at a goal apiece. Uh, 71 minutes on the clock there. This is Andrew Chill's report on Manchester United's equaliser. Tottenham won, Manchester United won the goal scorer Fred Cavani set it up he was put through by Pogba lovely work by Cavani inside the box his shot was half saved Fred with the follow up rifled it into the top of the net it's no more than United deserved they've had at least three if not four good chances before that worked the Spurs goalkeeper a couple of times Loris was only able to half save this shot from Cavani and Fred with the follow up makes it Tottenham won, Manchester United won 72 minutes gone at the New White Hart Lane there elsewhere a fantastic win for Leicester today or for West Ham against Leicester I do beg your pardon as the Irons look to uh, maintain their push for Champions League football fantastic win for Dave Moyes side Guy Swindles at the London Stadium West Ham 3 Leicester 2 another thriller from West Ham the third time recently they've gone 3 up they've held on for 2 of them and drew the other this time Lingard wonderful form since he joined the club gave them a two-goal lead at half-time. Bowen made it three just after the break, cruising. But back came Leicester. Iheanacho, superb up front for them. Scored one glorious goal after a mistake from Masuaku and then tucked home in time added on to create a very nervy finish. West Ham also lost Cresswell and uh, Noble to injury. As for Leicester, further inquest into some Covid breaches that upset their preparation. West Ham three, Leicester 
two. And just on those COVID breaches there that uh, Guy Swindles just mentioned, Leicester boss Brendan Rodgers says he dropped three of his players, uh, James Madison, Jose Perez and Hamza Chowdhury, uh, all absent for the game after they reportedly broke uh, COVID regulations. Now, he wouldn't clarify the details of the breach afterwards, but says he had to take firm action. Listen, it was something that was a, a decision I'd made. We had an internal situation um, last weekend and it's not a standard that we would expect. They're all good guys, they're all good lads, but we have a standard on and off the pitch that uh, that we need to uh, ensure we adhere. For Devon Moyes, though, a cracking result for them. They were 3-0 up. Uh, Jesse Lingard, how good has he been since his move to West Ham? Uh, scoring twice today, and then they conceded that twice to make it a bit of a nervy ending. He says it wasn't an ideal ending. We should be learning what lesson by now. We've, we've been in front a couple of times in two games, so so I'm not happy. I'm not pleased with the with the way it finished, but uh, I'm thrilled about getting three points against a, a very much informed Leicester City team. Elsewhere, a huge win for Newcastle today in their bid to avoid the drop. Uh, Peter Smith reports in their win over Burnley. Burnley 1, Newcastle 2. Burnley had been in full control. Matej Vidra fired them ahead and they looked on for a second. That was until Steve Bruce made a double change on 57 minutes with the introduction of Alan Saint-Maximin proving an absolute masterstroke. His menace was instant as he set up Jacob Murphy for a leveller before the Frenchman illustrated his stunning individual flair with a brilliant dribble and perfect finish from outside the area. Saint-Maximin securing a first new Newcastle win in eight Premier League games. Burnley won, Newcastle two. A yeah, fantastic win for Steve Bruce's side in their battle to avoid the drop. And this is uh, Bruce on how big that result was. Well, it's big, of course, but there's still a bit to go. But certainly it, it's a helping hand. It was a big, important game. We knew that coming into it. Um, so to win it um, was, uh, is, is very, very good. Uh, one last game tonight in the Premier League as well as Sheffield United host Arsenal at 7pm Dave Easton's at Bramall Lane It is of course just a matter of when not if Sheffield United go down and with 7 defeats in 8 and just 3 goals scored you can't really see them surprising too many more teams before confirming their spot in the Championship but here come Arsenal battered by Liverpool sloppy against Slavia Prague facing a week that could finish off their season too and with a defensive injury crisis they've not kept a clean sheet in 14 now Bramall Lane it's Sheffield United against Arsenal yeah, 7 o'clock kick off time for that one the Republic of Ireland are in friendly action in just about 25 minutes time Vera Postside facing Belgium and Brussels at half past 6 it's the final day of the Masters at Augusta really looking forward to heading home and watching that for the rest of the evening Japan's Hideki Matsuyama is the man to catch he is on 11 under par 4 shot advantage over the chasing pack Shane Lowry's on the course at the moment he's one over par uh, after his first hole of his final round and that leaves him in a tie for 35th on the leaderboard at Augusta in rowing what a day it has been at the European Rowing Championships in Italy today absolutely fantastic stuff Fintan McCarthy and Paula Donovan combining to win gold for Ireland in the lightweight men's double skulls at the European Rowing Championships earlier on today incredible stuff the women's four crew of Afrikyo Emer Lam Fiona Murta and Emily Hegarty claiming silver behind the Netherlands pushing them all the way and uh, Gary O'Donovan finishing just outside the medals in fourth in the singles goals earlier on today for more on it I spoke to Kieran McCarthy the Sudden Star Sports Editor just a short time ago for more on a great day of rowing at the European Rowing Championships in Italy the Sudden Star Sports Editor and author of Something in the Water How Skibreen Rowing Club Conquered the World Mr Kieran McCarthy is on the line now Kieran, how are you sir? All good, all good, Rory. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Smear, that's an incredible achievement by Fintan and Paul today. 
absolutely awesome to, to watch the two of them this morning and to win European gold in what is their third international regatta together it just it, it builds on, on, on what this crew has the potential of this crew brewery go back to 2019 and that was their first year together and they won world gold they never raced together in 2020 but they're back in the boat now um, Paul and Finton did a very tough um, trialling process but it's Paul and Finton that are in the double right now so to go to their first international regatta in the best part of two years and put together the performance that they did over the three days on Friday they won their heat on Saturday they won their semi-final and then today Sunday they were absolutely awesome in the final um, another incredible performance and when you think that there's so much more to come from this Paul and Finton combination there's a very exciting summer ahead uh, for Paul to go from rowing with his brother to rowing with a new partner Karen, just how big a change is that and how impressive is it that it's resulted in European goals so quickly um, like if you ever talk to Gary and Paul over the years, like there's absolutely no emotion attached to the rowing. You know, whoever's fastest gets in the boat. So the fact that it's Paul and Finton, that wouldn't bother Paul one bit because what Paul wants at the end of the day, he wants Olympic gold. And if Finton is the better option or for him to, to achieve that, Paul just gets in the boat and he gets on with business. And the two of them work really, really well together, um, Paul and Finton. And we saw that again this weekend by them winning the European gold. But like I said, there's the Olympics are what they're a hundred days away around that at this stage yeah. worry so we're getting closer and closer to the big event and there's a reason why Paul and Finton are one of the big favourites for Olympic gold in the lightweight men's double we saw that today in um, in, in, in Italy when, when they won the gold like it'll take a very very good crew to stop them and what's going to be very interesting now it's because the trialling process is over and at the moment um, it is Paul and Finton in that boat Rowing Ireland the whole gang is staying over in Italy for the next couple of weeks they're going to stay over in, in until the World Cup 2 in Lucerne in mid-May so what that means is Paul and Finton are going to get five or six weeks together in the boat to work on their, their partnership so that's over in Italy good weather flat water like I said uninterrupted time together so by the time they hit World Cup 2 in Lucerne in mid-May, they should be motoring even better again. As you said, it's going to take a lot for them to be eaten at the Olympics. Is there now going to be a lot of pressure and expectation on them heading into the Games? And is that something that they are expecting and are going to be used to? Or is it something that's going to affect them? It's going to be water off the duck's back. If anyone, like Paul O'Donovan, I put out a tweet earlier saying like he's one of the, the greatest sports people that Ireland has mm. ever had. And, and, and he is. like He's only 26 years of age. He doesn't turn 27 till, till later this month. And he's an Olympic silver medalist, a four-time world champion, now a two-time European champion. The man doesn't feel pressure at all. He's just <laughs> such a calm demeanour. And he's just going to get on with it. He wants that Olympic gold. And it's going to take a very, very good crew to stop him. And with Finton in the boat now, it's just a very exciting combination. I was chatting to Finton last week before they headed off to Italy and exciting is the word that Finton used when he was talking about the next couple of weeks and the next couple of months. He said himself and Paul are seeing gains in the boat every day and at the moment they want to make that boat better every day. And if you look at them at the, at the Europeans now where they won world goals, they beat a good German crew, a good, good Italian crew. If they're going to get better and better and better, um, like I said, Tokyo could be the crowning, the crowning glory in, in this amazing Gibberine rowing story. And we know all about Paul, of course, but Finton, obviously the lesson known of the duel for the time being anyway, uh, the way things are going, he'll be uh, equally as famous as Paul. But what can you tell us about him? What kind of character is he? Oh, Finton is, um, he's also from the same parish as Gary and Paul, and Finton is a twin, because Finton and Jake McCarthy are two twins, and interestingly enough, the four lads from Affidown, you had Paul and Gary and Finton and Jake, they were the four men that were in the trialling process for the lightweight men's double, so it just goes to show 
that Skibbereen Rowing Club produces world-class, mm-hmm. elite, elite-class rowers. So Fintan McCarthy, an interesting kind of little anecdote about him, Rory, is go back five years ago to Friday, August 12th, 2016, and that was the day when Gary and Paul won Olympic silver over in Rio. And Fintan was 19 at the time. He was watching the Olympic final in the Paragon Bar inside in Skibbereen. And he was looking up at the big screen after Gary and Paul won silver. And remember, that was Ireland's first ever Olympic mm-hmm. rowing medal. And Fintan was thinking to himself, Jesus, there are two fellas from the same parish as me. They're in the same club as me. I do the same training program as them. I train in the same club as them. I have the same coach as them in Dominic Casey. So if they can do it, why can't I do it? And five years later, it's Fintan in that boat beside Paul O'Donovan and they're gunning for Olympic glory. So it's been an incredible rise by, by Fintan. Go back to 2019. That's the year when Fintan ousted Gary out as a double. And Fintan and Paul had two regattas that year. They got a silver in World Cup 2 in Amsterdam. And then they won the World Gold and also qualified the boat for, for the Olympics. So Fintan is slotted right in there. He's doing a superb job. And today was another... I suppose another, and um, it just showed that Paul and Fintan together work. And it's one of many incredible stories, uh, Rory, from the from the European Championships. One of the big stories too is that the women's four won mm-hmm. a silver medal today, which was incredible because there's two more boats looking to qualify for the Olympics later in the year. That's the women's four, and that's the lightweight women's double. And both those boats had excellent European regattas. That women's four, and it includes Emily Hegarty from, from Skibbereen, they won silver today, and that's a huge result for them because the final Olympic qualification regatta is in Lucerne in May, so they're going to be high in confidence going towards that. Yeah, and they pushed that Netherlands crew all the way today in that final, didn't they? hundred percent. It was really impressive, and they did a very good, very good regatta. And even towards the end of that race, if there was another hundred, two hundred meters. What's that to say that that Irish crew couldn't have won that race because they were closing in on the Netherlands? It was very, very exciting. But it's just the confidence I think they're going to get off that. So coming off the Europeans with a silver medal, they now have this long camp together in Italy. So hopefully by the time they get to the final Olympic qualification regatta in Lucerne, they'll be in tip-top shape and ready to take one of the, the few places that are up Rafford there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same with the, the lightweight women's double pairing. It's an all-cork pairing. It's um, Mags Kremen from Rochestown and Aoife Casey from Skibbereen. They had another excellent regatta. They finished fifth in the A final earlier today. And they're a very young crew, Rory. Mags is 22, Aoife is 21. So there's a lot more to come, to come from them. They also have that final Olympic qualification regatta in Lucerne in May. There's two places up for grabs there. That's all that's left to get into the Tokyo Olympics. But I think Aoife and Megs, they look back at the Europeans as, as progress. Mm-hmm. Because if we look at last year's Europeans, they finished eighth overall. This year they finished fifth. So they're moving in the right direction. So very, very exciting times ahead. Certainly so. And uh, Gary finishing fourth today as well. Um, will he be disappointed by that? Or is it, a case, uh, is it a case that his singles career is still a work in progress? I think it's still a work in progress. Um, like, if you're talking about the kind of single scholar, Paul would be a lot better than Gary. Like, like I said earlier, Paul is probably the greatest roar that Ireland has ever had. So, mm. for Gary to finish fourth, it isn't the worst result in the world um, at all. He was a bit off the pace through the first 1,500 metres. He was in sixth place. He made his move in the final 500 metres, but it was too little too late. The top three crews were, they were well gone by then. But he'll take confidence from, from that fourth place finish. And what he's trying to do is he wants to put pressure on on Paul and Finton in the double because as of yet the 
Olympic crews won't be confirmed probably till the summer you're talking June I think so Gary is still in the hunt there but he has to dislodge one of Paul and Fintan and to be quite honest that's looking like a, a really big ask now especially after what Paul and Fintan pulled out earlier today mm. And final question Kieran. Um does Paul's luxurious hair get its own medal? That's an incredible head of hair, isn't it? He's after, um, <laughs> I think, I think he started feeling the lockdown more than most with the barbers being shut, but um, it's an incredible head of hair, but it's almost like Samson at this stage. Oh, as, long as, he, as long as he gets the results, don't cut the hair, Paul. <laughs> Certainly. So you can get more on the uh, fantastic day of the European Rowing Championships in the Southern Star. Uh, Kieran, thanks very much for talking to us today. Thanks, Rory. Oh, it was a pleasure talking to our good friend Kieran McCarthy from the Southern Star and what a day of rowing it has been and what a head of hair it is on Paula Donovan. I am incredibly, incredibly envious. While that interview was being played, I heard a scream coming from the office. Uh, I'm in a soundproof studio and I still manage to hear the scream and that scream was from Connor Halpin who presents Green on Red which is coming up tonight from 7 to 10 with three hours of the best Irish music. He is a Manchester United fan, so it was safe to presume Manchester United had scored, and they had. Tottenham 1, Manchester United 2, no more than United deserve. They've been a much improved side in the second half. This goal, the goal this time from Cavani, who had one controversially chalked off early on. Lovely cross with his left foot by Greenwood, way out on the right-hand side. Cavani with a diving header, left Loris, no chance whatsoever. It's Tottenham 1, Manchester United 2. Only have half an eye on it, but it looks like a really good and really enjoyable game. End-to-end stuff for Manchester United, just kind of eking out uh, there, are just kind of become the dominant force throughout the second half for certainly finishing stronger than Tottenham who've brought Gareth Bale on as well but uh, enjoyable stuff there so far at the new White Hart Lane about three minutes left to go of normal time plus whatever the referee adds on there uh, yesterday a fantastic win for the Ireland women's team as uh, they beat Wales 45 points to nil in their opening Six Nations game. For more on it, I spoke to former Ireland international winner of the Six Nations in 2013 and 2015, Fiona Hayes. Okay, for more on Ireland's fantastic win over Wales and joined in line now by Fiona Hayes. Fiona, how are you? I'm good. Delighted yesterday with uh, the win. Myself, an absolute cracking game of rugby to watch. It was incredible. I mean, like um, to put 45 points on the board, did you see that happening in advance of the game? I didn't, to be honest with you. I felt like Ireland were definitely going to win it. I'd watched um, Wales and France the week before and... It was a very poor um, performance by Wales. And part of me thought, you know, that maybe Ireland might face a bit of backlash the following week as, it, as Wales were at home, as we know. But absolutely amazing performance from Ireland. But I must draw attention like, to the fact Wales actually had 43 missed tackles in the game. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely, um, I'd say they have a lot to go over in um, at the minute after that. But you, that doesn't take away from Ireland's performance. It seems everything seem to click and as I said I thought it would be a win but not by that many points anyway. What was the most pleasing aspect of Ireland's performance yesterday? Um, for me it was definitely that interlinking between the backs and forwards. We'd seen Ireland maybe for the last year or so trying to get that game up and running and have that multiple lines of attack going where the forwards were putting it out the back and all that but it, it wasn't seem to be working but we definitely think um it, it, it definitely worked in the game there against Wales and the 20 camps that they've had in the build-up and all that really, really showed on the pitch. And I suppose from my point of view, it was really pleasing watch how they clicked. And another big thing with me with this was the set piece. Before, we weren't seeming to nail that down. Line-outs were going astray. Scrums were hit and miss. Whereas I'd say 
percentages were very, very high successfully rating for the line out and scrum. So that was, I'm a, a prop by trade, so it was really pleasing for me to see that going really well for Ireland. Yeah, and some fantastic individual performances yesterday as well from the likes of Considine and Parsons who had excellent games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, everyone, the big talk up in the lead up to the game was maybe in Parsons and absolutely did not disappoint. And I'd say Eva Constantine spent the pressure because she wasn't far behind her in footwork and um, and scoring tries. The two of them were absolutely amazing. Um, Eva from full back, they, they linked up really well together as well. Eva put um, David away a few times. But um, for me, another pleasing aspect was uh, Munster's Darcy Wall. After the game, I had a look at her stats, you know, and she'd actually 24 carries in the game and made eight successful tackles. That's absolutely a monster performance for someone who's, who's, who's so young. I think she's 20 years of age or 21. So to see that, um, to see that side of the game, she was playing six as well. And the performance she put in, I suppose, created the platform for the girls to score out wide. Possibly a bit of an odd question considering they put 45 points on the board, but are there areas in which Ireland can improve for the next game? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, they, they, they were 31 nil up at half time and I suppose they'll have to look at, um, it was probably about a 25 minute lull there where there was a lot of errors. Um, after half time, we expected them to kick on and be a bit more ruthless. I was thinking it could have been up in the 60s or 70s, um, seeing how, how they played in the first half. But um, they, I, in all credit to the Wales, they did come out and defend it a bit better in the second half. But I suppose Ireland would have to look at those errors, really. And, you know, they weren't under much pressure in the first half scoring those tries. And when the pressure came on, that's when we saw a few handling errors. So I'd say this week they'll, they'll definitely be kind of looking at that and putting a pressure defence um, in training because the French have absolutely manic line speed. They really come up and they kind of, they will, they definitely won't be missing 43 tackles. So it's, it's something that Ireland will have to work on a little bit this week. I suppose considering they were 31 up at half time, it's probably can, like understandable that I suppose Ireland's intensity kind of dropped off in the second half a bit. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, but then on the other side, you know, the best teams in the world are ruthless and, and you know, the All Blacks including and everyone, you, when, you, when you're when that, when you're 31 points up and you can come out in the second half and kick on and continue that score and form, that's kind of what makes a great team. But that's not taken away um, from Ireland at all. They they kind of pulled themselves together for the last there was a lot of subs came on the, the bench was cleared I think everyone got at least 15 or 16 minutes and some of the young talents that came onto the pitch absolutely lifted that game as well we had Emily Lane from Cork came in at 9 and the speed just for the last 10-15 minutes she fired those forwards all around the pitch and it was really really good to see and she's such an, an exciting prospect now on the bench a little like Craig Casey with Munster comes on to, to absolutely fire them around and and pick up that speed of the game. It sets up an intriguing clash now against France uh, next Saturday afternoon and what should be an absolute cracker. Yeah, definitely. I think um, people didn't even really think that a lot of people outside of the, the rugby circle wouldn't have thought that Ireland had a hope against the French or an English team. And um, I think this is kind of really... Uh, you know, so home that we're definitely in with a chance. I mean, um, the confidence of the girls will be will be so high after this. And as I said, the the rugby they played was so exciting, multiple lines of attack, that interlinking, and it's definitely if they can keep that set piece and nail it, I definitely, definitely think they can have a crack off France at home. And the buzz in the camp this week after that big win over Wales will be something else. So they're certainly going to go into the game high on confidence on Saturday. 
Yeah, definitely. I actually, I, I coached the captain, Kira Griffin, and she, she, she just texted me saying after the game, saying, you know, she's such a smile in her face and she's absolutely loving her rugby right now. And I was so excited for her because it's probably been, they've been under a lot of stick for the last few years on their performances and to know that they, they are out there training and enjoying it and this will give them the little boost that they, they need and you know I think it, I think that's all they needed was that, that big win and this is it so definitely going to be an exciting process going into next week's game Was it a little bit disappointing that yesterday's game clashed with the Leinster game and maybe a lot of eyes that would have been on the Ireland game were lost to the Leinster game? Yeah, yeah, that was definitely, um, I suppose, disappointing. I actually had the both of them on, I had the women's on the telly and the, and the Leinster on my phone. I was, I was curious. Um, and that was another great game to watch. But yeah, definitely disappointed. But I suppose there, there's, it's, it's all kind of got to do with, we don't know what's going on in other countries and traveling mm-hmm. over and back in restrictions. So I would imagine it kind of, that Ireland flew out the day before. And I know that they had to probably come back the same day, you know, because some of them aren't fully professional. So it's it's kind of those little things that get in the way, but definitely disappointing. And we have, um, I think it's next Saturday at maybe two or two thirty. The the kickoff is so hopefully there there'd be no crossover there. Which I, I don't know when the Leinster game is, but the more eyes on the game because they definitely missed out on watching amazing rugby last weekend. If you missed that, or on Saturday if you missed that game. Yeah, and uh, something I noticed as well is that the build up to this, um, and I suppose the the amount of column inches that the women's team have gotten. Uh, and uh, all the exposure that they've gotten and coverage they've gotten has been um, greatly increased this time around, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I suppose when they play together, you're looking at the media, you're looking at the 20s, they're looking at the women a small bit, and then you've got the men's senior team are probably going to take up the main focus of all those um, Six Nation weekends. So the, the format was changed this year just due to COVID, and it's probably suiting the, the, the female side of rugby an awful lot, really, because exactly what you said, they're getting that more coverage, you know, um, they, or if you even their whole Instagram account is, is, is about the women's team, the build-up, um, how um, how the the pre match stuff is going? So I think people are getting excited and and, and see, reading it in the papers and seeing the ads on television. RT covering it is excellent. And I think when people see ads or read on the paper, or they might just switch over, turn on, and watch it, and then they can see and their perceptions of women's rugby for some people might actually change. Yeah, hear her, Fiona. Thanks very much for talking to us on the Big Red Bench this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely not. Hopefully, a win for Ireland now next week, and we'll be flying. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Thanks, Fiona. Yeah, absolutely fantastic to speak to Fiona Hayes today about that, that fantastic win for Ireland yesterday, forty-five nil. Great start, and it sets up that cracking clash with France uh, next Saturday afternoon. Just as a, a disappointment or disappointing, as I mentioned there to Fiona, that it did clash with the uh, Leinster Higher Champions Cup clash yesterday um, which was disappointing but um, great to see so much exposure for the Irish women's team this week Uh, Manchester United are 3-1 up now on Tottenham Mason Greenwood has added a third for the Red Devils deep into injury time just waiting on the referee's whistle to blow there we heard Fiona mention that she was texting Kira Griffin the Ireland captain a short time ago about yesterday's win going to hear from Kira just a little bit uh, from her press conference after the game yesterday yeah, look, Gavin, that's been our focus um, for the last, last few weeks building up. We want to start quick, start fast, and to stay at our tempo um, and put our stamp on the game. And I think, look, credit to the girls, to everyone out there, you know, everyone knew your role, everyone executed. There was a hunger there. You could see there was a real hunger in the group. Um, and that just gave us that platform to play that attacking style of rugby um, for our first half and for the rest of the game. 
Um, the, the, the fear was that because you haven't played a test match, you wouldn't be able to do that. But did you have a suspicion that you were going to do it? Was the hunger that strong? Yeah, it is. Look, um, you know, we, we were confident ourselves as a group in terms of our, our the work we've done in camps and at, at trainings. Like we've pushed ourselves to a different intensity level, um, and that kind of showed out there today in terms of you know fitness and work rate on the ball and everything. Um, it just gave us that look, that good platform to work off. Sorry for being a sports sport, but give us your your take on the second half, will you? Yeah, look, uh, sport is fickle, isn't it? Um, look, um, look, we had a very good, look, we still got 45 points. You know, we'd be happy any day, um, 45, and not leaving anything in either. That was a big thing for us to, to protect our, to protect our try line. Um, after such a long break from matches, you're going to have a bit of rustiness or you want bits of errors. But look, I'm happy it happened this week, to be honest. Um, we've, we've a lot to learn from that in terms of what we did well. But the areas you need to kind of tighten up on for next week, um, but it's definitely putting us in a good position going forward. Uh, what was the most pleasing aspect of the performance in the sense that what, what kind of came that you weren't sure you had or you, you were trying to show or what, what kind of came out today that you can really stand over? Yeah, I think a big thing showed our, our hunger and our hunger on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, we weren't just going through the phases. We were we were working to get there first. We wanted to win that race on both sides. Um, you could see that with both, with, on both sides and that, just, that was really pleasing to me and I think Everyone's um, never, you know, never say, never attitude, and no one stopped, stepped off. Everyone kept going to the last minute, so we're all really, really happy. <laughs> yeah, geez, yeah, I, I kind of didn't know what was happening. You know, was, look, that's our defensive policy: put pressure on the ball, um, and thankfully it worked out. There was great support lines in um, from the rest of the pack and the rest of the players coming through. So that was a real team try. Yeah, it's uh, Ireland captain Kira Griffin there speaking after yesterday's fantastic win over Wales and uh, we'll have a reaction on the game against France on the big red bench next Saturday Valerie will be there for us uh, on next Saturday's show so we'll have all the best reaction coming up on Saturday's big red bench Alright, full time at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium a good win for Manchester United today over Tottenham Andrew Chiel Tottenham Hotspur 1, Manchester United 3, a deserved win for United who were frustrated at having an early Cavani goal ruled out by VAR. Son at the centre of that controversy then put Spurs ahead. Fred levelled for a much improved United following up a half-saved Cavani shot and it was Cavani who scored a, a late diving header from an excellent Greenwood cross. Greenwood added number 3 in injury time. There will be much discussion about the VAR decision but Edison Cavani has the last word. Tottenham Hospital 1, Manchester United 3. Right, still to come on the big red bench tonight we are going to talk to Cork City goalkeeper Mark McNulty and we're going to talk to the young Cork man who's going to run from Cork to Galway non-stop as uh, he raises funds for the Irish Cancer Society. The big red bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Roy here with you on the bench until 7. Now a young Cork man is aiming to create history by becoming the youngest person to run from Cork to Galway. Flubitar Faraz is going to do the run at the end of April, a distance of 200 kilometres. He'll be assisted by his brother Abanub in the challenge. It's being done to raise funds for the Irish Cancer Society. I am tired just reading that sentence out loud. I spoke to the Faraz brothers earlier on today. Okay, we're joined on the line now by our two Cork brothers who might be just the fittest uh, Cork men in Cork at the moment, Flubitar and Abinub Faraz lads how are you? Uh, we're doing good good how are not you? Good man good um, we'll get on with I suppose to your, your massive challenge that's coming up shortly but lads can you give us a bit of your history I suppose in combat sports and I suppose how you've gotten to this stage I guess so when I was 12 years old I, I joined MMA because my older brother was doing it and it's been doing it's been going so well we're both on the Irish team right now We've been do, I've been doing it for 5 years he's been doing it for 10 and it's going well right now 
Yeah, I, I started off in MMA, so our background was in that, and I kind of progressed him into it, and then he fell in love with running. So <laughs> it kind of ended up here in like a in a funny situation, kind of which like which sport do we love more? So it's a hard one, but it's not with the MMA, but it's still it, it, we're, we're kind of on the confused side of things more than anything at this stage. And lads, I suppose, um, what is it about MMA that kind of stuck with you and kind of got you hooked and obsessed? I guess. I think it's just like training you know it's just something it's a challenge basically it's it's hard to train for like eight weeks and then go into a fight and try to win it it's a it's a it's a tough challenge and we just liked it the adrenaline rush more than anything absolutely addicted to that that's yeah. it the challenge the challenge part of it's the biggest one but the adrenaline rush that you get like in training and you get during the fight and the whole lead up towards the fight—it's just—it's amazing. You, you'd absolutely love it, like. And when that cage door shuts, that feeling—I suppose—can't be can't be compared. Oh, there's no there's no comparison yeah. to it because you're you'd be nervous before it, and then when the cage door shuts, you're just like all the nerves are gone. You feel like you're the, you're the baddest man on the planet after that. Yeah. How have you found the last year with I suppose the gym being closed and kind of being separated from your teammates and having to train on your own? It was tough. Uh, last year, I done my first hundred kilometers. That was when I was sixteen, and uh, it was tough. Lockdown it was kind of it, it was it was tough training when not in the gym. I started jogging. I done fifty kilometers uh, at the really start, and I was like, "This is not bad. Uh, I can go for a hundred. Uh, I done the hundred, and then I'm here right now trying to do two hundred. <laughs> was it just pure so lot boredom and lockdown you decided to start running well, you are obviously we're always running as part of your your MMA yeah, training yeah. but like building up the endurance and going for longer and longer was it just pure boredom just to get out of the house and something to do uh, it was it actually happened that I was bored in my house and I went for a five I was meant to be going for a five kilometre jog and it turned out that I'd done 30 but I didn't <laughs> I, I just jogged I, I, my, I just didn't even think I just went for 30 and I rang my, it was like my first time doing 30 kilometres and I rang my brother, I was like, here, I'm after doing 30 kilometers, look at this, blah, blah, blah. And then the week later, we're like, here, I, I was like, I can do 50, like, let's do it. Then I'd done 50, and then two weeks later, I was like, here, I can do the 100. So I'd done the 100, but uh, I didn't really prepare much for the two, uh, for the 100. So uh, for this 200, I prepared a lot for it, and I, I would get it done. Yeah. 100 was definitely a lot harder, because it was literally just off, like, there was no training. It was just yeah. like, within two weeks, we were like, all right, let's just go for it. He, he decided he was going to do 100, and I was like, I'm not going to leave him do it on his own. So I was like, ah, feck it. We might as well cycle behind him and spot him the whole way up. And it was just madness. Like, And he still scored it on a really good time as well. Like, So it was good. He got it in like... I got it in nine hours, 23 minutes or 24 minutes, roughly something like that. For the whole 100K, which was really good for like someone that didn't train at all. For that, for ultra running specifically, yeah. So, how has training? I suppose, like for people who don't know, you're, you're running. You're going to run from Cork to Galway at the end of the month, and you're going to become the youngest person uh, to do that. It's 200 kilometers. Um, you're hoping to do it in, I believe, it's about 40 hours. Under 40 hours, hopefully. Yeah. So, what, I mean, like, what's a, a training week like to 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 run this ultra endurance like challenge, basically? Yeah. So uh, I have Sundays off always and I have like a hard running session and then a light running session, hard running session, light running session. And then on Friday night, I do roughly 30 to 40 kilometers and I'd go back, I'd sleep for two hours. And then on Saturday, 
Saturday, roughly about 3 a.m., I'd do another 40. It's it's called like something called a back-to-back run, just just so I get used to get going in and out. So when I'm in the camper van, I could start getting used to going in and out running. And then during the week, then he'd build up a, a lot of his speed training and stuff. Yeah. He'd be on the track doing a lot of uh, sprints. Um, you get like three 10Ks in a week. So three 10K runs during the week, one endurance, and then he does the back-to-back twice as well. Yeah. yeah. And I suppose it's very much an individual thing you're doing. I mean, like, compared to the team training aspect of MMA, I mean, like, what's been the biggest challenge? I think the biggest challenge is, it's in my head, like, because it's tough to say, oh, I'm actually going to run. Like, I say to myself, like, I'd be like, I'm actually running 200 kilometers. Like, I'm running to Cork. I think the biggest thing is not the actual training. It's it's my in, in my head, like, I, my head needs to be, 100% for me to do this run lap. And Abinu, do you have a, a kind of role then just kind of keeping him motivated and kind of encouraging to, to train every day when I suppose there's some days where he's kind of gone, maybe I'm not feeling it today? Yeah, like at, like at the end of the day, he's still only 17. So most 17-year-olds don't want to train every day. With him, he does want to train every day. But there's obviously the off days where he doesn't want to train. So I'd have to pick him up, go down, um, if we're going down to the track, make sure he does all his sprints. Um, if he's going out for a run, like obviously I'm not at a high level that he's at when it comes to running. But if he's running any like short 10 kilometer runs or something like that, I can kind of do them with him. Mm-hmm. But the back to backs and stuff, I can't do it with him. But I'm always on the bike, kind of spotting him, making sure he's getting his snacks in every 30 minutes. He's hydrating properly, just like lightly coaching him. He kind of knows everything true, but just keeping him motivated really is, is, is kind of like the key aspect with this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I was just about to say, like, how important is it to have your brother there, someone like just to to help you and motivate you and kind of give you that little bit of encouragement when things maybe like you might be thinking like I, I I can't do this today. To be honest, I honestly think if I didn't have my brother, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Like, I only started doing running and all this over MMA because I was fit in MMA, and I wouldn't have joined MMA if I if my brother wasn't there. So I think. The biggest thing, like my brother's been helping me since I'm twelve, started sports, and I think it's a, he he's a big aspect for this run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Abinu, I suppose, are you going to be doing the whole two hundred k with him on the bike, or how's it going to work? <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm gonna I'm hoping to, to run um, maybe eighty kilometers out of wow. the two hundred. And then the rest, I'll kind of, um, I'll cycle. Obviously not 80 straight. I'm still not that good. But, you know, I'll, I'll break down 80s. I'll do them in, I'll do a 20, a 10. I'll take a break, jump on the bike. But I'll kind of be, I'll be, I'll be always with him. I'll either be running it or I'll be on a bike with him. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to do too much because I'll be the person whinging next to him <laughs> while I'm struggling <laughs> to run. So I was like, I'll, I'll leave off trying to run a lot of it. <laughs> Are you listening to like music and podcasts and stuff when you're running or is it just so, solely focused on, on, on the run? I think for this run, I was I like I shouldn't be hundred percent focused. Like my, I shouldn't be just like oh, I'm running two hundred kilometers, just focusing. Like I think wh- whatever you're doing, MMA running, like you have to have a bit of fun with it. So I like I want to have fun when I'm running this. I don't want to be focused on the two hundred. Like I'm gonna finish it, but have a bit of fun with it. I I usually listen to music or have a chat with my brother, or I'd put on a David Goggins podcast or something like that. <laughs> have um has this challenge been done much before by other uh, people 
I'm not even sure. I, in no. Ireland, I'm I'm certainly. I don't think so. I'm ninety percent sure. No one done this. Before. I was on to um, Athletics Ireland. I was on to the CEO. So there was no one that actually ran one hundred kilometers at the age of sixteen, wow. and there's no one that's ever ran two hundred k at the age of seventeen. Under eighteen, there's never been something like that. But the only problem with Ireland is they don't. Um, so they they don't record any of this simply because it's ultra running and they don't want to promote. Uh, such an endure, like an enduring sport at such a young age because let, let's be realistic there's a lot of bad impacts that you can get from running this there's a lot of injuries you can pick up mm-hmm. um, it's not the safest thing to do running a long distance under 18 you know so he's already broken a record already and he's going to break the second one there's no one actually has attempted it because it's just never been it's never been recognised properly yet but when he's over 18 there's a couple more recognised records that he could break Maybe, maybe, maybe double 200 or something maybe 400 who knows <laughs> this, this, this run's not gonna like I, I've been saying like I'm I'm 100% with MMA like uh, I love MMA morning running but this like I'm only 17 I'm doing this 200 kilometers next year when I'm 18 I'm probably gonna try to do 300 like it's, <laughs> I, I love the challenge it, I think it's just, there's a lot to come there's a lot to come um, yeah I want to say that like I don't want to look too far beyond this because it's an incredible challenge coming up the 200k to Galway but when travel restrictions are lifted and you're able to, to fly internationally again are you looking at like ultra marathon races in the States or around the world? I'd love to, I'd love to I'd run anywhere to be honest I, if I could go abroad and run somewhere I love going abroad too I love you know, I, I fought a couple of times abroad so I love the feeling of going abroad all getting ready all like the, the training all I, I'd love that yeah and I suppose, like, going back to MMA then as well, all this endurance running is going to have a massive effect, I'd imagine, on your cardio for when you do go back fighting. Yeah, I was thinking, I was literally just saying it to my brother last, last night, a whole fight, um, I'm, a whole fight is like nine minutes, ten minutes. Yeah. I'm like, this really is nothing to me. Uh, I'm going to be, actually, after this run, I'm, I'm going to be flying out to Turkey for the World Championships in MMA, uh, July. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this this is gonna be a, this run like it's gonna help a lot too. With this exactly, and Abdul, uh, have you found your fitness gone up as well? Kind of out running and and on a bike with him and helping him helping him prepare. Oh yeah, definitely. Like just to, just trying to keep up with him. It's just like my cardio has skyrocketed. And <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing as well, I actually because he started doing all this, I'm obviously cycling behind him. I actually started falling in love with cycling. So I'm starting to do crazy cycles as well. So because of him, I've actually found another passion and another sport that I like. I think we just love endurance training. We just love the grind and the intensity of like hard training. So running, cycling, MMA, it's just a grinding sport. You just... Either love it or you hate it. It's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, and you certainly love it. So, I mean, like, you've obviously like, planned the route and stuff out like that as well. And have you been able to, I suppose, with travel restrictions, you haven't been able to, I suppose, drive the route and have a look at it. Like, But you've obviously got it all planned out and ready to go. Yeah. Uh, my brother actually recycled the route. He cycled the full route just to get uh, used to the road and tell him like, if there's like a hill or on this certain side or something like that. So uh, that's good. I, kind of, I went up to Galway. I cycled it twice. And um, I might mapped it out. So we're going through um, from here directly to Limerick City, from Limerick City to uh, Clare County, in through Six Mile Bridge, just like the the back roads around. It's just the safest way to go, kind of. There's not a lot of traffic. Um, and then from there, we're going to Gorsh, 
and then from Gorch to Ornmore and Ornmore to Galway City. Mm. So we're kind of going in around the back routes just because we don't we don't want to be caught in any traffic and even be running through the night. So that's kind of it's going to be safety is going to be a big key for this as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, like you're obviously running on like very busy main roads as well. Are you going to try and stick to the back roads? Exactly. I'm going to be trying to stick to the back roads for for most. If I can do it for all of it, I, I do it for all of it. But uh, it just it. I don't want at the same time. I don't want to be like stopping traffic. You know, I'm like I'm going to be doing 200k. I'm just focusing on my 200. I'm not going to be caring about a car behind me or something. At the same time, I don't want to be stopping traffic, so I'd rather go on the back roads. Are you nervous about this? I mean, like, is there an apprehension about it? Or are you just going to put one foot in front uh, of the other and go? The first, this is. The first, I haven't gotten nervous for anything in a very, very long time. Like I've been fighting for five years. My past like six fights, it's nothing to me now. I'm I'm like two two and a half weeks out, and uh, I'm feeling nervous already. Like it's it's probably one of the biggest challenges I've had in my life so far. So uh, the nerves are kicking in, alright. Yeah. How many were you nervous for him? Yeah, naturally, I get I get more nervous for things that he does. More like if it's something with me, I I don't I don't really care. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Like, so it doesn't really bother me. But when it comes to him, yeah, I definitely I'm definitely getting a bit nervous, especially getting closer to it. But nerves are a good thing as well in one way. <laughs> exactly. So, what day are you going to head out? So, I'm not exactly sure. It's going to be the last week of April, but I can't. I'm I'm still like I'm going to see, see in the next couple of days due, just due to the weather. Because I don't want to be running. I want. I don't want to set a date, and then if it's raining that day, I have to do it. So it's going to be roughly, I'd say, last couple of days of April. But I'm not exactly sure what day exactly. Just hoping for dry weather, so. Yeah, I'm yeah. really hoping for dry weather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the hundred kilometers in pissing rain, and it was not good. I yeah. do not want to be doing that again. Like the this. whole run was in literally like hailstorms. It was. I was like, I'd rather do the two hundred nice and calmly. He basically got pneumonia from it. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. How like. uh, you were saying to me as well that there might be um, a charity aspect to this run as well. There is indeed, yeah. So he'll be raising uh, money for the Irish Cancer Society, and we have um, we've set up a page. Um, where people can go donate. Um, it's available in all of our social media platforms. There's a link in in the bio in all of our social media platforms. If anybody hits that link, um, it'll bring them directly to that page and they can donate whatever they can from there. Because um, we're just trying to raise as much money as we can for them, really. Excellent. Um, guys, it's uh, been a pleasure. It's been actually inspirational talking to you today. It's going to encourage me to go at least for a walk this afternoon. <laughs> what you be doing. Um, very best of luck with this this is absolutely fascinating and I'm sure you're going to smash that 40 hour uh, target that you've got and very best of luck with it and keep us posted and we might have a chat after you complete it in a couple of weeks time yeah I love that thank you very amazing. much amazing thanks Rory thank you very much yeah that was really interesting chat there with the Farah's brothers uh, Flubertar Farah's and Abedin Farah's about uh, Flubertar's run at the end of April uh, and raising funds for the Irish Cancer Society as well we're going to tweet out the link for that in just a bit so uh, very best of luck to Flubertar it's an incredible um, thing he's uh, attempting to do and uh, to run 200 kilometres from Cork to Galway in under 40 hours will be sensational so the very very best luck indeed uh, to him and uh, we'll get Flupitar and Abinubon after they complete the challenge at the end of the month 
Right, going to switch your attention now and uh, the Big Rebel Sleepout in aid of Focus Ireland is taking place on April 24th uh, which is this year will be simulated due to the pandemic. It's to raise vital funds to tackle homelessness in Cork and people are being encouraged to sleep out in their back gardens and to raise money as well. For more information you can visit focusireland.ie, relfm.ie or corkcityfc.ie. For more on it, I spoke to City Goalkeeper Mark McNulty. Uh, Mark, um, this sleepout happening on uh, April 24th, just under two weeks' time, and it's a uh, it's a big fundraiser for Focus Ireland and a very important event. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. You know, like and it's a great thing that Cork City are getting involved in. You know, it's uh, I remember do, I remember doing the, the sleepout last year, and I'd uh, I'd tent up my back garden with all the kids in there, and <laughs> you know, it was, it was a bit of crack in that. Like, and um, you know, listen, if it's helping people. Then why not? It's a, it's a great it's a great thing to, to be able to do, and you know, especially focus on they're they're so good for the homeless in, in Cork and in the country, I suppose. You know, so um, listen, any anything, any little thing like that will always help. So, how did you find it sleeping out last year? I mean, like last year was done virtually. This year, it's going to be done virtually as well because obviously of the COVID nineteen pandemic. How did you find sleeping out the back garden in a tent with your kids in the middle of April? Ah, do you know what? No, it was actually it was actually quite enjoying the kids. The kids absolutely loved this. You know, just getting out like that, like in. Don't, don't get me wrong come 11, 12 o'clock I was hoping that they might say ah, we want to go in but no they were loving it and you know there was there was, hundreds, there was four of us packed into a two man tent <laughs> so it was, uh, I was it, you know what the kids the kids enjoyed it and no doubt we'll do the same again this year you know we did, like I said the two man tent out the back and we'll give it a go again this year you know um, it's, like I said earlier it's a great it's a great thing to, for Cork City to be able to do and, and to get funds for, for uh, Focus Ireland so um, listen I'm looking forward to it yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's happening on um, April 24th. If you want uh, more details on that, you can visit focusireland.ie and search for the big rebel sleepout. And of course, stay tuned to Cork FM for more details. Mark, while I have you, um, disappointing night last night against uh, Athlone Town. Just that um, bit of luck is what you're, you're currently lacking because overall, I thought you played very well last night. Yeah, to be fair, I think over the three games so far is definitely our best performance. You know, um, you can see what Colin's trying to bring to the team. You know, I think we're we're um, a lot better on the ball we're a lot more composed you know playing from the back or for playing in the final third I think we're, we're a lot better on the ball um, like you said there it's, it's just at the minute we're a bit unlucky that bit of luck doesn't go away you know up in Cabin Teeley, I felt we should have won the game we were on a far better side but we just didn't take our chances you know and then you go last night again it was the same as we were by far the better side again but we didn't take our chances and you know the way it is that the league is so tight whoever gets the first goal for me really we're going to win the game Um so listen, we just need to start taking our chances and listen, once we start taking our chances and the goals start flying in, I've no doubt that we'll be up there, there about challenging. Um, I know for supporters and all that, it's probably difficult to look and, and see we're after losing two of the first three, but people have to remember this is a, a very young squad. Um, you know, we've only come together really the last six months or whatever, I suppose, really, you know, since Colin has come in and taken over and it's going to take time. Um, I suppose, you know, I know Cork City fans over the years were, were used to winning constantly and Know, times have changed um, like I said it's a young side and listen I think supporters you know, need to give this young side a chance um, and no doubt they'll come good from yeah, some positives to take though. I mean like um, the two centre halves who've just come in George Evan Jonas Hacklin um, playing very very well um, George has been very very solid since he came in Jonas came in last night looked like he'd been playing League of Ireland football for a couple of years yeah to be fair the two boys you see him in training every week they're like I said, like Colin was saying, the football boys they're absolutely fantastic, and you know they love they love challenging the air for headers. They're they're aggressive, um, but not two very very good centre halves. And like luckily for me, uh, I've been behind the two of them for, um, for the games that they've played in, and you know I can see the the qualities that the both of them have. And 
as I said earlier, the more games they get, the better they become. Um, and no doubt the team will become better because of the two lads. Yeah, Stephen Beanie playing right back as well. Does he still see himself as a right winger or has he settled into the fact that he's now a right back? Uh, I'd say I'd say he's after settling into the right back position now because <laughs> as, he, as he's getting that bit older now he seems to drop him further and further back I remember when he first signed for us he was a 10 then he was a right winger now he's a right back he's so going goal next go <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's the age thing with Beach you know he's looking very old he's, he's ageing so uh, <laughs> uh, no Beach is Beach is Beach is Beach fair you know great lad and good crack in the, in the training in the training ground in the dressing room and all that Mm. So, as you can tell the supporters obviously absolutely love him and you know same with all the players he's a great mm. lad to have around and listen once keep him first and he's flying for the season he's another great asset mm. to the team and Mark Jack Walsh last night making his first start for the club uh, former Avondale man and remind me of a former Avondale man who played with Cork City Marco Sullivan very similar players and looked very very tidy last night yeah Jack to be fair was outstanding last night all he, all he was showing was a goal mm. to top off his man of match performance to be fair um, he came in, you know, he played a couple, he played, you know, 20 minutes last weekend, Captain Teeley, done very well, came in last night, was absolutely outstanding. But I'm not surprised by it, I only know Jack a short time, I didn't see much of Jack when he was playing with Avondale and that, but from what I've seen of him in training, his finishing is outstanding, his aggression to win a ball is outstanding, his hold-up play is brilliant, you know, he's a great lad, um, and I really hope he does well for himself and for Cork City, because I know he's had a few difficult years with injuries and all that, but looking at him now in training and, and the games the, the last couple of games we've seen him playing he looks like a really fantastic player and uh, you know hopefully he stay fit and rock on and banging goals for us and hopefully like I said earlier in the interview there we'll be up there challenging and Shelburne coming to town now on Friday always good competitive games against Shelburne remember all those rivalries going down the years with Shell so looking forward to them coming to Turner's Cross but just a bit of luck needed on Friday night now and a win would certainly kind of uh, lift the mood and kind of I suppose change the narrative around this Cork City team at the moment yeah, you look at it like if one win changes everything, you know. So like, Shell's game is a massive game. Um, you know, well, I think there's only a point between the two of us at the minute, down mid table and that. Like, uh, but anytime you play Shell's is a massive game. When it was back in 2010, when we we were going for the first division back in 2010, was against Shell's. They were fantastic games. Even go back earlier when it's Cork City and Shell's were in the Premier Division. They were always the main games. And listen, we're back together now again in the first division. And no doubt, these are the two games. These, these are the games that people will love to see and love to watch and no doubt if the fans were allowed in Turner's Cross there'll be a full house especially against Shells you know so mm. listen it's a huge game Friday night we're going to, to get the three points um, and hopefully we can do that yeah I can't wait for that the big rebel sleepout happening on April 24th for more details on that visit focusireland.ie or you can get more information on corkcityfc.ie and from redfm.ie as well helping homeless uh, people across Cork City and County and further afield as well Mark thanks very much for talking to us on the big red bench this evening no problem Rory cheers for that yeah always a great pleasure to talk to uh, Mark McNulty and uh the Big Rebel Sleepout happening on the 24th of April and as I mentioned for more details on that check out focusireland.ie and you can help raise funds uh, by sleeping out in your back garden uh, for Focus Ireland and uh, all the fantastic work they do uh, surrounding homelessness in Cork City and County. Um, I've been commentating on the Cork City games with uh, Dan Murray uh, the home games for LYTV have been really really enjoying it so we're back in action uh, this coming Friday night against Shelburne at Turner's Cross so you can tune in to us there it's been really really enjoyable um, so hopefully Cork City can get back to winning ways so as we're decent enough against that Town on Friday night just uh, couldn't get that goal um, just that little bit of luck that they're currently lacking 
but uh, it's looking good and as I say Jack Walsh look very very good up front it's just when they click when they gel it I think they'll start winning start scoring goals so um, looking forward to uh, Shelburne come to town this coming Friday night just before we get out of here the teams from uh, Sheffield United and Arsenal which is just about to kick off Dave Eason also make five changes from the Europa League draw with Slavia Prague with one eye surely on the second leg three of the back four drop out Cedric, Gabriel and Bayeran Smithrow and Willian also drop out in come Chambers, Marie, Ceballos, Martinelli and Pepe with Odegaard not wrist and no Aubameyang either he's ill apparently three changes for Sheffield United with McBurney, Bogle and Jagielka replaced by Burke, Egan and Ampadu the Bramalane is Sheffield United against Arsenal all right, that's pretty much it from the Big Red Bench tonight. Thanks very much indeed for listening to our show this evening. Our podcast will be online very shortly. You can get that on redfm.ie or from wherever you download your podcast. We're back next Saturday from 6. It'll be a cracking show with Ireland taking on France. We'll have all the reaction from Cork City and Cove Ramblers as well. Connor Halpin's a happy man after that United win. He's up next with Green on Red. Enjoy the rest of your evening, folks. We'll talk to you next week. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.